and whatever else tickles my fancy, welcome to the Ho-Ho Show, and I'm your host, Ho-Ho. Broadcasting from the semi in Illinois, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter, and you can find me in YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. You can also email me, hoho at thehohoshow.com. Welcome to the Hoho Show, and as always, I am your host, Hoho. Yep, screwed that up. That was great. <laughs> All right, guys, well... So I, uh, I did a show yesterday, but unfortunately, considering I, uh, you know, I wasn't in a very good service area, so I didn't end up posting it. And by the time I was going to post it today, it, uh, in a matter of speaking, uh, considering how much information, uh, we have, have received on the, uh, the Las Vegas shooting in particular, really didn't seem like a good idea to go ahead and post it. So I figured I'd better just go ahead and redo it. And uh, so here we go. That's what this is. A um, lot of news out there, though. This is a, a busy week. And, uh, of course, um, it's going to be touching base on a couple of these things. And, uh, 
you know, of course, tune in to the uh, the Saturday edition of the Ho Ho Show, and I'll have uh, you know much more detail and stuff that I'll be uh, putting on that one. But uh, one of the things that I that I read, and uh, you know, just this is one of them things that I find absolutely hilarious. Um, so an article that came from the Daily Wire headline. Flashback reporter tries to prove buying an assault rifle, and I put that in my finger quotation marks, is easy, gets rejected. <laughs> Basically, what happened was a Chicago journalist last year went to prove that, you know, buying an assault rifle is easy. And, you know, in which case, all right, anytime these guys try to talk about assault rifles, Ask them to define an assault rifle, because most of most of them really can't do that. I mean, it, as far as they are concerned, an assault rifle is just a rifle that looks like it's a military-style rifle, but it has nothing to do with ballistics and nothing to do with a select fire switch on the lower. Nothing to do with that. So, I mean, you really got to ask them to define that, because as Webster Dictionary defines an assault rifle, you know, it is a three or four round burst or it can fire fully automatic and of which case a standard civilian AR-15 cannot fire fully automatic therefore it is not an assault rifle it is a sporting rifle so you, you really got to ask these guys to you know clarify what the fuck they're talking about because otherwise you know, it's like, hey, uh, just so you know, that's already illegal to own an assault rifle unless you have an FBI permit. And of which case, they just don't give those away to anybody. You know, I mean, you got to go through some, uh, you know, sorry about that, uh, some specialized training and just a lot of hoops you got to jump through, all kinds of stuff. They just don't give those away. So it's ridiculous for them to just say that kind of say that kind of stuff. So you really got to force them. To clarify and to explain it. So, but here he is. He tries to go and buy an assault rifle. And this was his, he failed his background check. So he was unable to buy the rifle. And he basically stands up and he's like, hey, well, you know, they have a, a, a different standard for me than what they do for, you know, the rest of the population. Okay, so you mean to tell me you went out with the sole purpose of to try to say how easy it is. To buy an assault rifle. A liberal left. Uh, journalism. In one of the most liberal left cities. You know. that They would have allowed him to do this. If this was his purpose. If they had you know. Any type of. Well. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> You know, if it, you know, if what he's saying is accurate, of course, they would have just let him have the damn gun. You know, let him let, you know, allow him to write the story of, oh, it's so easy to buy an assault rifle. The fact of the matter is, no, it is not. One, it's hard as hell to buy an assault rifle because you really have to go through a lot of hoops and you got to, you know, go through some red tape and you got to get FBI clearance in order to do it, special licensing, stuff of that nature. But to buy an AR-15, a standard, you know... Sporting rifle, semi-automatic weapon, 
there's still a lot of hoops you got to jump through. I mean, it's not just an easy thing to do. There's a background check. There's all kinds of crap you got to do, you know. The right is very aware, or just really any Second Amendment advocate is very aware of what you got to go through to buy a gun. Apparently, and this is because these people have absolutely no idea you know, because they don't surround themselves with guns. They they do surround themselves with, uh, you know, gun-owning people. You know, the, the armed security guards and things of that nature. I mean, they surround themselves with that. So, but otherwise, you know, no, they don't. They have no clue what it's like to do this. So, you know, I, that, that's something that I thought was extremely hilarious. I thought it was great. And, uh... Yeah, so the the next story that I'm wanting to get to is with the uh, the Las Vegas mass shooting, and basically from what I have found, um, let's see, there was 22 rifles in his room. Um, from what it from what it seems like, the, uh, the the guns were purchased legally. They may have been illegally modified with the, uh, you know, with one of the weapons having what's called a bump stock on it, which basically is a way to convert the weapon from a semi-automatic to a fully automatic. And, you know, so that, and I'm not even sure how many rounds of ammunition they found there, but, you know, basically it's one of them things that he, he planned this out. Okay. He very much planned this out. He was in that room for days with the do not disturb sign on his door. So housekeeping couldn't even come in. Um, he had three cameras. One that was set up on him. Another one that was set up either. It was either like a, um, a, a room service cart or it was like, a you know, the towel cart. You know, it was one of those that he had set up in order to basically see and watch for, you know, police coming down the hallway and, uh, so, you know, he, he definitely had this planned out. All right. Um, and definitely I, you see, he's 64 years old. I'll just go ahead and continue into, into this, but, uh, yeah, 64 years old. Um, and of course the, uh, the numbers as it is right now, 59 people dead, I think 530 or 529 um, injured. Uh, another thing that we have found out that, uh, let's see, on Tuesday, actually is whenever this came out, he transferred a hundred thousand dollars to an account, uh, to his girlfriend in the Philippines, which he actually sent her to the Philippines like a week before the shooting or possibly two weeks before the shooting. Uh, she was brought in for questioning, and uh, actually, uh, he, she she came into the United States either um, late last night or earlier this morning. She is in FBI custody at the moment. Uh, she was a person of interest. They're you know trying to find out what you know what happened. You know they they don't necessarily think of her as being involved, but they are trying to find out what she knows. You know they they do think that she knows something at least at this point in time. So, you know, the guy was eccentric, you know, millionaire, basically. 
They don't know exactly where he got his money, if it was from pension or if it was from gambling. They don't know. Um, at this particular point in time, it's more or less the guy was an asshole. <laughs> Not to speak ill of the man, but, well, yeah, to speak ill of the man. He was an asshole, you know. Uh, people whom have seen him in public, uh, you know, with how he interacts with his wife, or I guess I should say his significant other. They were not married. But, you know, the guy was an ass. He was reclusive. He, you know, he didn't really have a lot of interactions with people. They, you know, the police, he didn't have anything negative on there. No, you know, there, at this particular point in time, there was absolutely nothing within his background to, you know, that even made people think that he was capable of such a thing. You know, I mean, they, they really haven't found anything so far. Um, there was rumors that he had, uh, you know, ties to, you know, ISIS. Those rumors have been, you know, found to be false. You know, the FBI hasn't found anything, or at least they're not reporting anything that they've found. And, uh, you know, really the same thing goes for any type of a political tie or religious tie as well. You know, that they haven't, they haven't found anything. And, you know, I, Quite personally, I, I think that the guy, he definitely he was not Republican, he was not Christian. Because, I mean, let's face it, if he was any of those two things, you know, the uh, the liberal media left would have definitely, you know, reported on that as soon as they found that out. So I, I really don't think that he was either one of those two things. You know, I don't think he was Republican, and I don't think he was a Christian, just because the media would have had a heyday with that kind of a news. You know, so, yeah, that, that's, that's where I'm at on that. Um, let's see, kind of skimming through that article a little bit more to see if there's something I missed. Uh, all right, I covered that, I covered that. Um, yeah, so um, actually they're they're really not even completely clear as far as, you know, where the money, you know, they don't know what account the money went into if it did in fact go to his uh you know his girlfriend Mary Lou Danley or if it was to somebody else I at least they haven't reported on that yet so that's that's where we're at on that um let's see here I think there was another article I seen on it just kind of doing a quick skim of it and yeah, nothing that I'm seeing all right, so yeah, yeah, so that's that's pretty much what we got so far on, um, on the shooting. Oops, that wasn't. And uh, and Trump actually is in Las Vegas, Nevada today. I believe he landed either an hour or two ago, maybe like right around there. I mean, he hasn't really been there that terribly long. It was before noon that he uh, that he arrived in Las Vegas. He had just left Puerto Rico. And uh, let me see where I'm running on time. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when I get back. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about Trump and Puerto Rico because there's all kinds of information on that that I have that I'd like to kind of share with you. And again, this is just kind of a uh, a quick news update on some stuff. I mean, there's I'm going to get more in depth in some of this stuff and really, you know, really talk about it come Saturday. But you know, this is just kind of to get the news out there and and you know let people aware of what's going on, just in case they're you know not hearing it too many other places. So here we go, quick break. And I'll be back in just a couple minutes.
from the semi in Illinois. Welcome back to the Ho-Ho Show, and as always, I am your host, Ho-Ho. Of course, you can find me on Facebook, YouTube, follow me on Twitter, email me, ho-ho at thehohoshow.com. And uh, so we're talking about now Puerto Rico. And uh, again, quick news update. Not really going to do a lot of uh, story-based stuff in this. I'll get to that, you know, come uh, the weekend or Friday or even possibly Thursday night. I don't know. But uh, all right, let's go through some numbers that I have... Let's see here. All right, so Puerto Rico. Okay, this is one of them things that just, to be honest with you, there was a lot of problems that Puerto Rico has with their debt. All right, they are $73 billion in debt. $53 billion of that is uh, basically pension. So, you know, they definitely have an unsustainable, you know, uh, uh, unsustainable debt because they have basically the debt of like you know equivalent to basically California or New York but they have basically an economy about the size of Nebraska you know i mean they do not have the economy in order to actually you know to take care of this debt they just don't have it okay so and uh let's see one of the other things that uh has been talked about you know uh, in recent days uh, or at least in the, in the past week and uh, this is something, a problem that, you know, like definitely in the beginning, okay? This might not much be a problem right now due to, you know, FEMA and, you know, the U.S. Navy and Coast Guard and, and, and all the people who are providing aid at this time. This might not be that much of an issue now. But definitely in the beginning stages of the relief effort, this apparently was a pretty big problem. You see is what happened was, or one of the things that was going on was that we had like as quickly as humanly possible, we had, you know, relief brought into the Island through the ports. Now what was going on was they couldn't transport it from the ports to the rest of the country as they needed it. You know, they wasn't able to get it out of the port. And part of the problem was, or at least as it appears to be at this point, the ports were union-run. And then unions weren't allowing non-union drivers to drive the trucks to get relief to where it was needed. Okay? Problem. So, in the beginning, it basically sounds like it was the unions that was really holding up progress in getting this relief taken care of. You know, and I, you know, I'm going to be honest, there's no love lost between me and unions. I fucking hate them. I really do. You know, what I worked at a, um, you know, I, I worked at a, a, a factory uh, on an assembly line. I made, uh, you know, the gearboxes for landing gears that went on the trailers and semis. All right. And due to somebody else's screw up, not even mine, there was like 96, um, uh, gearboxes that was put together that was put together wrong because somebody grabbed the wrong stinking part and I didn't verify it so I mean I take I take blame on this too you know I just kind of figured hey this is the guy that trained me he knows what the hell he's doing and that just wasn't the case so yeah I got blamed for it so you know they they held up my 
or no, let, let me let me uh, let me rephrase that. They extended my probationary period an, an additional month, but the union went ahead and started taking union dues. And I go, I told him, I go, look, I'm not part of the union. You guys can't take union dues out of me. It's like, well, we're, we're taking union dues out. It's like, well, you'll get this money refunded to you, you know, if you get fired before, you know, your month is up. I go, but wait a second. You guys are making me pay for a service I'm not going to receive. That's not right. That's illegal. That's wrong. That's unethical. That's immoral. I mean, what? You, you guys are basically forcing me to pay for a product that, you know, or pay for a service that I'm not getting. I'm paying union dues for union representation whenever I'm not part of the union and you guys aren't going to stand up for me and stand in on my behalf. So what the fuck am I paying for then? I was pissed. You know, it's horseshit. The unions just do whatever the fuck they want and just, you know, like, okay, for instance, you know, let's say you're an electrician. All right. You can't even work on your parents' house, on your friend's house, and do electrical work for them when you're union. If the union finds out about it, oh, you're fucked. You know? So, yeah, I have absolutely no problem believing this story, considering that I know from personal experience, you know, that I just, I don't like unions. I really don't. There may have been a time when they truly did provide an invaluable service to the American people. Okay. And there was a time that they did good, but that time has since passed. They have worn out their welcome. They are no longer needed. They are no longer necessary and they need to get the fuck out of the way, you know, because unions are not where they are needed and they are ridiculous where they're at. They don't provide a service anymore. They take your money. They give it to, you know, as a, you know, they work as a liberal, uh, you know, a liberal lobbyists that work against the Constitution and, you know, definitely conservative values. So... You know, why are we for, you know, in, in today's day and age, why are we forced to participate in unions whenever, uh, you know, again, I thought this was supposed to be land of the free, you know, I mean, hell, once you vote into, you know, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, done on unions, done. I hate unions, can you tell? So, but anyway, it was the unions that was holding up progress in the early stages of the tragedy in Puerto Rico, Okay. Another aspect of this, um, you know, from the, the language that Trump was speaking of, I guess, yesterday, that it, it kind of sounds like he's going to, uh, I guess, diminish or, you know, do like some type of a bailout on, you know, with the $73 billion of debt that Puerto Rico has. And, you know, I don't even know if he actually has the, I don't think he's got the political authority to do that or just the constitutional authority to do that. I don't even think that's something that you know, Congress can really do, because this isn't a company, you know, that you can, you know, take at, you know, uh, seize assets and, you know, get back some of that, you know, some of that debt, you know, and pay off some of that debt. This isn't like that. This is a estate. 
you know, and as a state, it can't declare bankruptcy because, well, I mean, let's face it, it has the ability to, you know, earn revenue, you know, tax its population and whatnot. So, I mean, it's it's something that they really can't necessarily declare bankruptcy on. And, you know, again, I don't think the president even has or Congress has the right nor the ability to really forgive that kind of debt. You know, I mean, there's, you know, ah, I just... I, I don't like seeing that kind of stuff happening. I mean, not that... All right, let's put it like this. Personally, I am re, I am supposed to be held accountable for the financial decisions that I make. Okay? Live within my means and be fiscally responsible. That's what I'm supposed to be. All right? So, for it to be not okay for me to be as careless with my money as, you know, the state, the federal government and Puerto Rico has been, it's, you know, it's not right to, it's definitely not right to be held at a different standard than, you know, the state, you know, for them to be held at a different standard and for them to be bailed out through their bad decisions. When generally, you know, these bad decisions come from you know, the political left who does nothing more than want to spend, 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 tax, 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 forcing businesses and people out of their state. And you're left with people in a state or in an area that either can't leave or, yeah, most of them can't leave. You know, so that's what you're looking at here. So Trump, whenever he was in uh, Puerto Rico yesterday, he, uh, you know, the... <laughs> the press really did have a field day with him. I mean, they they really did. They were, well, let's just say they were super pissed at some of the stuff that he said, you know, and, and one of the things that he was saying, or one of the things that he said was, you know, he counted Puerto Rico lucky. And, you know, all things considered, yeah, in a matter of speaking, they were very, very fortunate, you know. They, uh, you know, when you take to into consideration, like, you know, Hurricane Katrina with the th thousand or more people whom died. And then, you know, like right now, I believe the uh, the, the death toll of uh, Mar Maria is like 32 or 30, you know. So, I mean, all things considered, they have been extremely fortunate. You know, th this is a tragedy. Yes. Their lives have been completely upended. It's going to be six months, if not more, before life resumes in somewhat of a normal state in Puerto Rico. Okay, their power grid is down like 98%. Okay, they are going to need a complete rebuilding of the power grid, period. I mean, that's, that's what they need. You know, I mean, there's just no two ways about it. So, I mean, the devastation is, is huge. Don't get me wrong. The devastation is horrible, but the casualties have been minimal. And that is the part of this that I consider a blessing. You know, they, the people have come together to help each other out. And, you know, and the people, and this is an aspect of this that I think is pretty amazing. You know, the people are, you know, the, 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 the people that are there whenever Trump was, you know, giving his speeches and, you know, talking with, you know, the population of Puerto Rico, they were really, 
you know, they were happy. You know, I mean, they treated him with open arms, you know, because he was there to help. And he really was with the amount of relief that he brought to that island. You know, he was there to help. He was there to, you know, provide as much assistance as possible, you know, letting them know that, hey, you know, the president and the American people are here for you, you know, and that's what he was saying, you know. But of course, you know, the, the, the liberal media wants to spin this in an entirely different direction and saying that, you know, that the people absolutely hated him. Well, maybe the politicians from Puerto Rico were unhappy with him. You know, the governor was happy, but the mayor was totally just no. I mean, you know, it was funny. Here she is like, oh, Donald Trump sucks this and, you know, is horrible and, you know, not getting any help here. And then here she is while she's saying this into a camera, you know, one, she was not going to the, uh, you know, the FEMA updates, the daily briefings. She was standing right in front of pallets upon pallets of relief items, bottled water, and just everything else. And it's like, okay, so here you're telling me that Trump is doing a horrible job with the relief effort, and here you are standing in front of all this relief, you know, all these items of relief. Uh, Why don't you put down the microphone? put down the microphone, get out from in front of the camera, and go distribute the stuff that is behind you to the people who need it. Shut your face, quit being part of the problem, and start being part of the solution. It's as simple as that, you know. But here she is unwilling to do that. So she had nothing good to say to Trump about Trump or anything like that. But the people whom were there, whom he talked to, they're... They welcomed him with open arms. They understand that without the United States assisting them in the relief effort, that this would be bad and there it is impossible for them to have been able to get, get themselves out of this problem. As it is, it's going to take them six months. But, you know, so the people were happy. The people were receptive about what was going on. It was awesome. So, let's see here. I'm taking a quick... um, Yeah, there we go. We can talk about Rocket Man next. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and take another quick break. And when I return... Rocket Man. Rocket Man burning out his fuel up here alone. Be back in a minute and a half or so. (laughs) Don't mind my craziness. Thank you. 
All right, and we're back. Welcome to the Ho Ho Show. Back to the Ho Ho Show. And, you know, you know who I am. I'm your host, Ho Ho. All right, guys, so I was wanting to talk about the Rocket Man. Actually, more accurately, I guess I'm kind of wanting to talk about Trump in regards to the Rocket Man. Actually, no, it's uh, um, not really the Rocket Man, but uh, um, the Iranian deal. The uh, the Iranian deal is up for, I guess, review come October 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Hold on, let me... Uh... Yep, October 15th. And, um, you know, there, there appears to be some debate amongst, you know, cabinet members and Trump as far as the proper course of action to go, you know. Uh, Trump more or less wants to completely get out of the Iranian deal. As truth be told, it's a bad deal. As he said, and I completely agree, it is a bad, it is a horrible deal. Okay. And the reasoning behind this is, and this is only assuming that, you know, what I am remembering, the details that I'm remembering about the Iranian deal is, is actually accurate. Okay. So it was like, you know, 24, 22 days, you know, they, they had to, you know, give them notification that they wanted to do an inspection. They had 22 days before they could do that inspection. And Iran had to approve the site that was going to be inspected and the people that were going to be doing the inspecting. Okay. So um, that's just great. Okay. The, you are asking for corruption. You know, you are asking for, you know, well, I mean, let's face it, you know, from that, that's like, you know, pulling me over and say, okay, now come back tomorrow afternoon for a breathalyzer test and we're going to hold you accountable for drunk driving. Okay, cool. So you come back the next day. Obviously, you haven't drank. The alcohol was able to get out of your system. They do a breathalyzer and, oh, gee, lo and behold, you're not drunk. It's amazing how that works whenever you give somebody notice that they're going to be, you know, that they have to go in and, and pass a, a a breathalyzer. You know, it's, it's amazing how well that works. I mean, you're just asking for the same type of stuff to happen here. You know, that 24 days, that gives them plenty of time to scrub it down, to clean, to remove any evidence of any type of weaponizing of, of plutonium for the purpose of nuclear weapons. That's all you're doing is giving them time to cover it up. So, you know, and of course, that's not even to mention the whole, you know, the uh, them getting, um, you know, have permission or, you know, advance notice on who's going to be doing the the testing. And, you know, there you go. So, I mean, it's just you're it's corruption. It's a bad deal. It's not going to help anybody. And that's the thing, too. What safeguards, you know, what assurities, what protection does the United States have against anything? And the fact of the matter is there is none. Okay. We didn't get anything out of the Iranian deal. We got screwed. That's what we got. We got screwed. We got a big old shaft up the rear and we did not even get the common courtesy of a reach around, let alone any lube on that cactus that they shoved up there. All right. We got flat raped. It was horseshit. It is horseshit. So, president wants to pull out. And reports that I'm hearing is that Mattis wants to basically stay in. 
Now, I have absolutely no idea what this man is thinking. I really don't, okay? I know, you know, Mattis' history. I know the things that has come out of that man's mouth. And the things that have come out of that man's mouth, I mean, I agree with him wholeheartedly. But the stuff that he's doing here, I don't know what his reasoning is. I don't I don't get it. I mean, I'd, I'd love to talk to the man and find out what's going on because he's really not giving me much confidence in what he's doing. You know, I'm, I'm not confident in this at all because, I mean, if his reasoning behind wanting to stay in is to basically hold Iran accountable for what they do, well, there's nothing in the Iranian deal that, that makes them accountable for anything. There, I mean, there's, we have no ability to catch them basically red-handed, and that's what we would need. But we don't have that in the Iranian deal. We really don't. So, I mean, you know, what is he fight? Why is he fighting to preserve the Iranian deal whenever we have no safeguards? We have no say-so in anything as far as what area gets inspected, who does the inspecting. We have no safeguards on this. We have no say. It does not help us out whatsoever. Okay, we have no safeguards. So what are you standing up for? I mean, I, I don't get it. I truly don't. I am baffled by his, you know, complacency in this. I truly am. It's appalling to me. I don't get it. There's got to be a reason or if he's just taking the a political low road. And yes, I'm not even going to call it a political high road because I'm sorry, it's not it's not the high ground to basically stand up and support a regime that wants the destruction of Israel and, you know, the destruction of the United States. That's That's not a high place to stand. It's really not. You know, you try standing up on that. Next thing you're going to have is your your feet kicked right out from underneath you, as he should have. Because I don't get where the man's coming from. Say what you want. I don't care. Give me one good thing about this. Because we have no safeguards. We have nothing to hold Iran accountable for in the deal as it currently is. Okay? Rip up the deal. If you want to write a new deal, then write a new deal. But it should be done the right way and go through Congress because that was the fault of Obama. He didn't want it. He didn't allow it to go through Congress. He wrote the thing unilaterally by himself. That means that President Trump can unilaterally take it away as he should and as he wants to do. But here you've got Mattis going, oh, no, 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 no. We should think about this. What's there to think about, dude? What's there to think about? We already know enough information on the Iranian deal. We know that it is a bad deal for the American people. What's there to think about? And since we're on the topic of Mattis, let's go ahead and move on to the other thing that I was, you know, that, that I have read. And there, there isn't anything that I read about this, anything recently. This is, you know, crap that I had heard, you know, a while back ago. But, you know, this is in regards to you know, with the uh, the rainbow community going into the military. And I'm not talking about the gays and I'm not talking about the lesbians because quite frankly, if they want to go into the military, hey, more power to you. You know, as long as the military is not lowering their standards, then I'm okay with it, you know. But if the military has to lower their standards in order to allow these people into the military, then I have a huge problem with that happening because we are supposed to be the be- the best, the beast, <laughs> the best the elite fighting force. And if we have to lower our standards for 
certain people who want to be rainbow warriors to, you know, be able to join the military, then how can we consider ourselves the best? Fact of the matter is, we can't be. No, my problem is with the um, transgender community wanting to go in, you know, the ones whom are doing, you know, uh, hormone treatments and hormone medication because they want to change their gender. That's the problem that I have. And my problem isn't with the transgender community. I want you guys to understand, and I'm going to make myself perfectly clear. My problem is for the same reason that we don't let diabetics into the military or people with high blood pressure into the military. It has nothing to do with their sexual orientation. It has everything to do with them being medically dependent upon medication. Medically dependent on medication? Yeah, sure, why not? We'll go with that. That's what the problem is. Okay, you cannot be a diabetic and join the military because you are dependent upon medication. You cannot have high blood pressure because you are dependent upon medication. You cannot be a transgender because you are dependent upon medication. It's that simple. Quit allowing the military to be used in these social justice experiments and just keep the military for what the military is supposed to be. The elite kick-ass fighting squad of the United States of America. Quit pussyfooting around on this and be the man that you have been in the past. Be kind, be courteous, but have a plan to kill every motherfucker in the room and that's what I want from you. That's why people cheered whenever they heard you were going to be Secretary of Defense. Not this bullshit that you're doing now with the whole uh, social justice warrior aspect that you're coming out with now. This is horse shit. Yeah, I just said that. Yep. I did. Because what the, what's coming out of this man's mouth? And again, this is if this is accurate. You know, because I know how the the uh, the media left in this country likes to divide people that it is very possible that none of this shit is even true that all this has just been left-wing propaganda to make people pissed off at Madison you know what I'm willing to accept that as a possibility but if that is not the case if he does stand for these social justice causes then what the fuck is wrong with him what happened to him? Because this was a man's man. This was a warrior. This man earned the name Mad Dog Mattis. He earned it. Where's the Mad Dog? That's what I want to know. Alright, I want to take a quick look and see I don't think I had any other stories that I was looking at covering let's see I got that's for a later date I got that I got that I got that I got I didn't get that hey that's actually pretty kick ass Uh, I am going to cover that why not sex change surgery secret is on the rise oh sex change Surgery regret is on the rise. I'm going to be covering that at a later date. I'm probably going to be covering that on Friday or Saturday show. One or the other. Um, So, all right. So, this is in uh, medicine. This headline. 
And this is just going to be a quick one. This ain't going to take long. Uh, BGR, is, or is that B-E-R? Hell, I don't know. A robot just performed one of the most precise medical procedures for the first time ever. This is kick, kick ass. I don't know if this was a... Okay, never mind. It was. So... In the not-so-distant future, AI-controlled robots will almost certainly enslave humanity and ensure, yeah, what the fuck ever. So, the robot was used to suture vessels measuring as small as 0.3 millimeters across in order to treat lymphedema in a patient. That is kick-ass. You know, that's just a, uh, a little idea as far as where we are in the medical field with robotics with nanotechnology i mean i kid you not guys i mean this shit is absolutely amazing where we're at what we can do what our tech you know how far our tech has gone in in this and grown and what is the i mean just not only the possibilities but the implications of this okay this is amazing shit i want to cover more more on this later i've actually covered it before you know but it's just tech in this aspect it excites the shit out of me i gotta take a dump right now i'm so excited this is amazing stuff right here <laughs> yeah i know um i'm not right but you know this stuff is amazing guys i mean it really is where we're at in the field of technology you know it's just it is absolutely amazing you know what you can dream that's what's possible now you know, what they were dreaming about 10 years ago, what they were dreaming about five years ago. This is the shit that we're seeing today happening. I mean, this is exciting times in the field of, you know, medical science and medical research. You know, this is one of the aspects of why I am really wholly and completely against Obamacare. Because where is this type of innovation going to come from when everything is politicized? And nothing is about cures, and everything is only about, I mean, it's already like this anyway. I mean, there is no money in the cure. The money's in the treatment, you know? So where is innovation going to come from when we go into single payer and the full life system? Where's the innovation going to come from? What is going to be the incentive? I mean, the fact of the matter is there isn't going to be incentive. Because the government is going to claim that they own it because they own health care. That they have the right to everything. And those who would be the innovators are going to say, no, this is my intellectual property. And if you're not going to pay for it, then why should I innovate? That's the question we have. Okay? Because that's the problem. That's what these liberal left don't see. They think that they have a universal right to health care. No. Because it's got, to co- it's got to come from somebody. It's going to cost somebody something. And the cost isn't just in dollars spent. It isn't just in lives lost. It is lives lost to the lack of renovation. Innovation, not renovation. Innovation. The cost is greater than you can even imagine. Because where would we be if Obamacare happened 20 years ago? 
we would be in worse shape than Canada. Nobody wants Canadian health care. Canadian health care sucks. They have a limited amount of doctors. They have a limited amount of resources. And they have all kinds of people who need assistance, who need help, and who get sick. Where do people go when they need help and they get sick and they have long lines that they can't get a simple, you know, doctor's appointment for? Oh, yeah, that's right. They come down here to America. But where are they going to go when America is just like Canada? Where are Americans going to go when the leading uh, words, words and words, words, what would they do? (laughs) You know, where would we go if there is nobody out there to head innovation? As America heads in innovation, where would they go then? Where would Warren Buffett go? Where would, yeah, the, these you know rich people that have money, where are they going to go if if the healthcare that they need, you know, twenty years down the road, this this isn't going to happen tomorrow, if you know a single payer happens today. No, 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 no. This is going to be twenty years down the road, ten years down the road, five years down the road. When there is no longer innovation in the United States of America, whenever that is no longer going on because there is no profit in it, where are they going to go? China? You know, what? when's enough going to be enough? You know what, that, that's all I got. I want to make myself mad, I want to piss myself off, and I don't want to do that. I'm already mad enough as it is. That's right. All right, guys, well... Tomorrow I will be home. I will be broadcasting from the attic. Live, I am sure. What is tomorrow? Wednesday. Yeah, so what I said goes. Friday, same thing. I have a lot of playing around to do with some equipment, with some stuff. And uh, the weekend show, uh, Saturday edition of the Ho-Ho Show and uh, Religion Ho-Ho's Way Sunday edition, those will be definitely broadcast live. And if I am able to get some stuff going and rolling and just all kinds of excitement words I'm going to use right there, um, it will actually be broadcast through Twitter or YouTube. It will be video. I will have it on video for the for the visual people there. As far as I know, I do not have any guests scheduled or at least nothing as of yet. But, uh, you know, hey, anything is possible. Anything could happen. So it's hard telling what can go on between now and then. So, yeah, that's where I'm looking at. Saturday and Sunday will be broadcast live via YouTube or Twitter. I really haven't, I don't know which direction I'm going with that yet. You know, I, I haven't decided. Um, of course, uh, you know, I've I've got stuff to do with the website as well uh you know update the page for videos and whatnot uh i have got the uh the green screen and video editor so i have actually played around with that just using my cell phone so i mean you know it was low video quality but you know hey i just wanted to play around with a little bit so so now i just got to get the licensing for it so that this way i don't have the shit that i gotta yeah you know so yeah, 
good times guys good times i'm about ready to have all kinds of fun this weekend it is going to be amazing i'm looking forward to it and i hope you guys are too so that's all i got i thank you very much for joining me and i will talk to you again tomorrow live from the attic on the ho-ho show thank you very much good night wow i just sound like a rock star so thank you good night ah! yeah whatever <laughs>